Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Our reading is from Ephesians 2, beginning at verse 11. First, let me pray. Father, we ask now for a deep work of your spirit within us as we come to your word. Help us to understand, to believe, and to be changed. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Ephesians 2, verse 11. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is your peace, who has made the two groups one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostle and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Some years ago now, I was part of a team that spent a week on a new housing estate asking people how they found living there. Between us, we spoke to several hundred people. One question that we asked was this. What is the biggest problem with living on the estate? And we were amazed with what we found, not just from one or two people, but from almost everyone. The biggest problem was not a lack of parking or no playground or poor access to the shops or antisocial behavior. No, the biggest problem, loneliness. How can a person living on an estate surrounded by 4,000 other people, how can their biggest problem be loneliness? Well, today in Ephesians 2, we get a glimpse into how the human heart works. We'll see as humans, we are very good at building walls and barriers. Yes, physical walls and, and garden fences, but relationally, 
forming cliques and inner circles, judging others, excluding them. Think about how we've got on as a nation during lockdown. Uh, For 10 weeks, we clapped for our carers, we, we smiled and waved at our neighbors. Perhaps we even had a street party to celebrate VE Day back in May. A brief moment of this country pulling together as one. But I don't think it's lasted. As a nation, we're now busy blaming each other for not following the the guidelines and causing a a surge in cases once again. In our series in Ephesians, we are seeing that God has a plan to bring unity to all things in, in heaven and on earth. But if this is how the human heart works, how can God possibly bring the human race together into one unified people? The answer, only in Christ. Like last week, Paul is going to show us a before and an after picture. The before picture shows us the human race, how it gets on without Christ. The after picture shows us what difference Christ makes. So let's dive in. At first, here's our first point. Before Christ, a people at war. Look at verse 12. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ. There is something of the school playground going on here as as one group taunts the other. In this case, the Jews, the circumcised, calling everyone else the uncircumcised. But this is more than just name-calling. Circumcision was the physical sign that you belonged to God's people. It's a bit like if you go to a concert, they might stamp your wrist with ink to show that you are allowed in. Circumcision was the much more drastic version of the ink stamp. When my family still lived in the US, we went to Disneyland, Florida. As a five-year-old, I simply loved it. It was amazing, except being the youngest child, I was also the shortest, and to get on the best roller coaster rides. You had to go and stand next to a cutout of a Disney character to see if you were tall enough. Invariably, everyone else in the family passed the height test. They were allowed in apart from me. I was excluded. I had to stand and watch as the others enjoyed the ride. Don't worry, I'm totally over it now. Uh, Well, well, look, um, in a far more serious way, uncircumcised Gentiles were excluded from God's people and promises. And so Paul says to his Gentile readers, end of verse 12, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ. Some might wonder why this matters. Many people today have no time for Christ at all, and they seem perfectly happy. 
But in Ephesians, to be separate from Christ is to be cut off from the very source of all spiritual blessing. To be separate from Christ means we might have a physical pulse, but spiritually we are dead, cut off from God because of our rebellion against him. And one day when Christ returns and he puts this broken world to rights, it will mean being separate from the, the, the joys and blessings of living with God in a world put right. To be separate from Christ is to be, end of verse 12, without hope and without God in the world. The Jews thought they were in because they were circumcised and the Gentiles were out because they were not. And so in verse 14, Paul talks about a dividing wall between these two groups, a wall built around keeping the Old Testament law. And such is the human heart. This was not a friendly wall. Paul says it was a wall of hostility, a hostility that spilled over into every area of life. One historian writes this. It was not even lawful for a Jew to render help to a Gentile mother in her hour of sorest need, for that would simply be to bring another Gentile into the world. Sadly, this hostility persists today between Jews and Palestinians. Before Christ, a people at war. But it's not just a Jew-Gentile problem. This is a human problem. In all kinds of ways, the the human heart loves to, to claim that we are in and to push others out. Maybe we claim the moral high ground. Perhaps we socially distance or we drive an electric car or eat vegan food and others don't. Or maybe it's a class issue. We come from the right sort of background or we went to the right sort of school or or have the right sort of manners and others don't. Maybe it's the color of our skin or our accent or our age or our income or our exam results or the team that we support in almost every area of life. The human heart is so very good at excluding others. C.S. Lewis once famously talked about what he called the inner ring. Speaking about human desires, he said this. One of the most dominant desires is to be inside the local ring and the terror of being left outside. This is why our world is broken why we can be surrounded by 4,000 people and yet be utterly alone, why our community spirit doesn't last. It's the human heart building walls of hostility, wanting to be in and pushing others out at the same time. Before Christ, a people at war. But next, with Christ, a people at peace. And here is the difference that Christ brings. Verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away 
have been brought near by the blood of Christ. When I was at school, there was the sporty crowd. How did you get in? Well, you had to be sporty. Or there was the music crowd. How did you get in? You had to be musical. Or there was the cool crowd. How did you get in? Well, I'm still trying to figure that out. What about entrance into God's people? A Jew would say, by keeping the law. But here, verse 13, Paul says, it's by the blood of Christ. Imagine it's the end of time and you are standing before the pearly gates leading into heaven and as you walk up to the gates, there is the apostle Peter and he asks you, why should I let you in to be with God forever? What would you say? It's a question we all have to think about whether we are regular at church or not. What would we say? Many people would start with, I should be let in because I did this, or I was like that, or I didn't do that. That's what the Jews were thinking. Look, we're circumcised. But it's the wrong answer. The big shock for the Jews here in Ephesians is that they too were excluded from God. Last week we saw that we are all dead in our transgressions and sins, Jews and Gentiles alike. And also today, at no amount of recycling or charity work or excellent exam results can get us to God. There's only one way, verse 13, through the blood of Christ. As Jesus shed his blood on the cross, he died the death that we deserve for our rebellion against God. By dying in our place, he took God's just anger on himself, freeing us from God's anger. With Christ, a people at peace. At peace with God, but also at peace with one another. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. In Christ, Getting access to God is no longer a competition. It's not a league table where the top 10% make it in. No, it's a free gift bought by the blood of Christ. And this changes everything at a horizontal level. There is no longer an us and a them. It's been awful watching those forest fires along the west coast of America over the summer. Imagine two neighbors living side by side, one in uh, immense wealth, a huge house, manicured garden, multiple cars on the drive, and the other neighbor living in a, in a trailer in absolute poverty. Socially, a, a huge dividing wall between the two But imagine a forest fire ripping through the neighborhood, destroying everything. 
Imagine these two neighbors uh, trapped by the fire, unable to escape, uh, their homes burning down. In that moment, the fire is a great leveler. The size of the house doesn't really matter. Their great need, their shared need, is a rescue, a, a helicopter to come and pluck them from the fire. And that is something of what is going on here in Ephesians 2. God's anger at our sin is the great leveler for all of humanity. It doesn't matter how big our house is or our social background that we come from or or how popular we are or what exam results we get. All these things that we cling on to to mark us out from others, they cannot help us before God. Only the blood of Christ can. And so at a horizontal level, Christians are at a at peace with each other, humbled by our shared need, humbled by our shared rescue, equally loved, equally accepted into God's presence. Of course, it's easy for those old walls to grow back up again, to form cliques and dividing walls. We need to remember, with Christ, a people at peace. But there is more to this after picture that Paul wants us to see. Finally, with Christ, a people with a purpose. When my family moved from the US to the UK some 35 years ago, we went from being foreigners with a US passport to eventually being citizens of the UK with a UK passport. It was a big change for us. But when we become Christians, a far greater change takes place. Look at verse 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of God's household. To be a Christian means We are no longer, first and foremost, citizens of the US or the UK or or any other country. We are first and foremost citizens of God's people. Or or then in verse 20, uh, Paul says, we are like a building being built together. But not just any building, uh, together we are becoming a temple where God dwells by his spirit. When we become a Christian, We don't become a Christian on our own. We join something bigger than ourselves. We join a new people, a new living building. We'll see much more about what this looks like in practice as we go through our series in Ephesians. It'll mean serving each other, speaking the truth in love to one another, forgiving each other, treating each other with purity and respect. Well, let me put it this way. Imagine a football match where two players on opposing teams are really going at each other. They are pushing and shoving and and sliding in with huge tackles. Imagine tempers flare. They start to shout and fight and the, the referee has to run in to break up the fight. He tells them off and he forces them to shake hands. For the rest of the match, There is an uneasy truce. 
That is not the picture Paul is describing here in Ephesians 2. The peace that Christ brings is not some uneasy truce. It is more like those players shaking hands and then one player taking off his old shirt and putting on the same shirt as his rival. Then they start playing on the same team, passing the ball to one another, creating space for each other, setting up a goal. When one scores, the other rejoices. That's the sense here. That Christian life is not an uneasy truce between a bunch of other people we might see on a Sunday morning. No, the Christian life means being part of a new people where we are for each other. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. When one weeps, we all weep. We grow together, needing, supporting each other. With Christ, a people with a purpose. This is partly why our present experience of church gatherings with all the social distancing This is partly why it is so hard and and sad. Christians should want to be together. To be robbed of each other is a real loss. Of course, it is possible some of us are finding this present season a little too easy. Perhaps happily watching the online service from the comfort of our home, not having to engage with other people not having to extend ourselves to talk to new people or, or people we don't get on with, not having to look for opportunities to serve other people. In many ways, it's much more straightforward. But this is not God's plan. With Christ, we are people with a purpose. It is possible to be surrounded by 4,000 people and yet feel utterly alone. The human heart so quickly excludes others. But in Christ, God has created a new people, a people of peace, a people of unity, a people where all are welcome through the blood of Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the blood of Christ that brings us peace with you and peace with others. Please help us to increasingly be the people you call us to be, a people growing and building together. Amen.